Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and together our faith is built up in the knowledge of Jesus. I pray this day that your word will come forth with power, strength, transformation. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. So on Sunday we started talking about not despising the days of little beginning. Not despising the days of little beginning. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 10 specifically. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 10. First of all, if you read from verse 6, when uh, the prophet was being asked what he saw, he says, so he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, look at this now, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. I want to pause there to say something which is very important. We must learn to become people who finish. We cannot just start things in our life and leave them uncompleted. There are people who start a lot of things. They're good at starting. They start a book, they never finish. They start a relationship, never get married. Start a business, the next day they are onto something else. The Lord is not just excited about us starting. The Lord is excited about us doing what? Finishing. Sometimes you don't need to set new goals. You need to finish the old ones. Praise God. I said praise God. So we must learn what? To finish. That's very important. His hands have laid the foundation of his temple. His hands shall also finish it then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? Who has despised the days of small things? To despise means to look down on, to consider worthless, to consider not important. And here the Lord says that we must not despise the days of little beginning. For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. And all that translation says the Lord rejoiced that the work has started. The Lord rejoiced that the work has started, the New Living Translation. Now, I spent Sunday to talk about greatness and a couple of thoughts. Make sure you get the message and listen to it. I want to encourage you, even though you listen to me all the time, uh, the messages are sent you know, free, so you're not paying for them. They're on the website free, you're not paying for them. Have a habit of listening to the messages again. Praise God. Have a habit of doing what? Of listening to the message. Make it part of your daily activity. Make sure that you are totally immersed in the word. I, I picked up um, a, a meeting that one of my mentors had in 2017. It has about maybe 20, 20 teachings. Okay? 20 teachings of about an hour, 20 minutes, an hour, 15 minutes each. And part of my goal in April is make sure that I listen to all the 20 teachings. So every day I listen to one teaching. That's one of the many things I'll listen to. So, the reason I'm saying that is, even though you're seated here, when you get the message, listen to it over again, 
you'll find that the Spirit of God will begin to highlight different things to you that were not highlighted to you in this meeting. So sometimes when, when I'm teaching something like this, you might not really, it might not be the face of life that you're in. And a couple of months later, you discover that that message makes a lot of meaning to you. So it's important to listen to it over and over again. So who has despised the days of little things or the days of small things? What this tells us is that it is, it is uh, very common to despise when things are small. When things are big, it is easy to celebrate. But when things are small, it is very easy. You see, even small people are despised. If you go now, they want to get people to play football match. If you are very small, you'll be chosen last. No matter how you raise your hand, you are naturally despised. Praise God. You're naturally despised when you're small. Anything that is small, the tendency of the human nature is to despise it, including our own nature. So whatever is small, even in your own life, you have the tendency to despise that. But the Bible tells us not to despise the days of little beginning. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about little things. Let's go to Luke chapter 16 and verse 10. I like this one. Luke 16 and verse 10. Today I was studying the book of Nehemiah and I saw some very beautiful things from there. One of the things I saw it was Nehemiah was telling them that you don't keep the commandments of God because if you keep the commandments of God, it would have been your life. The instructions from God's word is what forms our life. The word of God becomes our culture. It becomes the way we act. It becomes the way we live. Now, go to Luke 16, verse 10. Are you there? He says, he who is faithful in what is least. Here, the context is money. Is faithful also in much. Now, the principle I want to pick here is that you cannot be faithful in much if you are not faithful in least. In the least. People have this mindset that... I'm going to do better if I have more money. I'm going to be more committed if the church is bigger. I'm going to do this when this happens. Now, if you are not committed today, you're not going to be committed tomorrow. Praise God. If you're earning 20000 30000 and you don't know how to save, you're not going to start saving when you earn millions. Why? Because you're not going to develop good habits when things are bigger. You're only going to, it, the, the bigger things are going to amplify the habits you have already. Are, are you following what I'm saying? Are you still here? So, it, it, you, your life is actually not going to be different in the next 10 years. It's the same habits you have right now that will happen in the next couple of years. For instance, a man doesn't have a lot of cash, but every time he closes from church on his way home, he buys suya meat of 150. Right. Now, when he, when he starts earning 100,000, what's going to happen? Talk to me. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, 15. You are right on the spot. Prophetic. Nobody got it wrong. Everybody just said 15. So, the truth of the matter is that the money just amplified the habit he had already. Your future is an amplification of your present circumstance. So sometimes people feel, oh, if I hurt this, I'll do better. If, no, you will not. If you're not doing better now, you're not going to do better tomorrow. Today is actually who you are. And for young people who are getting into courtship, don't ever buy the lie that people will change in marriage. No, people don't change in marriage. They are exactly who they are when they're courting. Rather, they even, they even tweak a bit on the negative. Because when they are pursuing you, they put their best foot forward. Like when somebody's pursuing you and you say, oh, I've not been able to cook. Say, don't worry, I don't even eat. I can live like that. And you step on their toes, say, Well, I just have been praying for someone who will step on my toes. You know, everything is fine. Your aunt, 
You say, oh, I whatever you want is fine. Then when they get married, they say, no, 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 I can't play with my tummy. So instead of even changing for the better, they drop a bit. What does that mean? It means that when you're going out with someone, his faithfulness in the days of courtship will be his faithfulness in the day of marriage. And if you ask anybody in marriage, they will tell you whatever they are going through, there were signs of it in the days of courtship. So what I'm trying to use that example to tell you is that your, your life right now is just your life. You won't get better until you change something about your life. Even if we put a million naira into your hands, it won't change your life. It will go down the way the 10,000 naira in your pocket is going down now. If you can't track your 10,000, you won't be able to track your 1 million. Are you following this? Okay. Go to Luke chapter 16. We're in Luke 16 now. Go to verse 12. Let's, let's just look at verse 11. Let's read on. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, talking about money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? So the Bible is actually big on the management of finances. It's big on it. It's big on how money is managed. He says, nobody's going to commit true things to you, true riches to you, spiritual riches to you, if you don't know how to manage your finances. Why? Because your finances are going to move in the direction of your heart. Praise God. Your finances are going to move where? In the direction of your heart. So where your heart is, there will your money go. Now, it goes on to say in verse 12, and if you have not been faithful, in what is another man's, who will give you what is yours or what is your own? Two things we'll find there and pay very close attention to them. Number one, to be faithful in little. That's one. That's one category, right? Number two is to be faithful in another man's own. Because sometimes your days of little beginning are going to be days where you are with another man. Sometimes it is easy for some people to be faithful with what is their own because it is theirs. But then it's difficult to find them faithful in another man's own because the natural position is it is not my own. Praise God. Have you ever heard, have you ever seen someone drive a car past you in a way and maybe you're sitting with someone and both of you just said together, I'm not sure he has that car. Why? Because the guy is entering every pothole. But you know if it's your car and you enter the pothole, even though it's the car that entered the pothole, you feel it in your chest. <laughs> Why? Because you know that for every pothole that car enters, something is going to leave your pocket in the days ahead. Faithful in another man's own. You stay in somebody's property as a, as a tenant. That, those are your days of little beginning. How do you take care of that property? By the time you leave the house, is it like a tornado has swept through that house? Wires out. Bedroom uh, sink plucked down. Electrical cables not working. It, it, it was almost like nobody had lived there. Or it was a stage for Royal Rumble. And the Bible says that's an attitude. Are you faithful in another man's own? Like I would ask a lot of you, if you were pastors of this church, would you act differently? Would you miss service the way you miss service? Would you come late the way you come late? If you were the leader, if you were the leader of the choir, if you were the leader of the church, if you were the leader of the service team, would you act that way? And these are the days of little beginnings. Because you must understand something about life. It is God that commits greatness to men. It is God that commits greatness to men. And he says that if you are not faithful in what is another man, who is going to give you your own? That means another man's, the way we treat another man's property is, uh, uh, not when I mean property, now I'm not just talking about houses, 
the way we treat another man's property, job, or whatever, is the, the same attitude with which God is going to give us our own. So we prove our faithfulness in the days of little beginning by how we treat another man's property. Are you still here? So how we treat other people's things, how we treat the place we're working, how we treat the things committed to our care, will determine to a very large extent how God is going to commit things into our hands. You must realize this. Never forget this in life. God commits things to people. He's the one who gives things. He's the one who gives increase. Don't live life as if you can hustle your way through it. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Follow the precepts of God. Follow God's word. Get wisdom from his word. Don't try to live as if you understand how life works. You don't. If you are faithful in another man's own, the days of little beginning is the days where you will be tried with another man's property. Hallelujah. The days of little beginning. You get that job. How do you treat the job? One thing that is very core in my life, anything I do, I put excellence into it. Anything, anything, I put excellence into it. Why? Because that's what faithfulness is. Faithfulness is consistency. In your days of little beginning, are you consistent? We all don't like those days of little beginning because we live in a world that celebrates only something that is big. Nobody likes the days of little beginning. I was listening to an interview by when uh, Carries Bible College in Colorado Springs, Andrew Womack, was being dedicated, he invited Kenneth Copeland. And he was saying that in those early days of the meeting, Kenneth Copeland would be preaching and saying that people are coming. That in his mind, he thought that there were buses of people already paid for. That, I mean, like buses were going to bring people to the meeting. It was later on he realized that it was a statement of faith. Meaning that when he was saying that, he was just saying it out of faith. And Copeland would used to say that in those days, people used to stay out of his meetings more than they came for his meetings. But those are days of little beginning. The challenge we have in life is most times we, we, we rate our present with people's future. You look at someone and you see where they are and you're trying to compare your life with them, not knowing that they have also passed through their days of little beginning. This message is better heard than lived. Because in living it, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where the challenge is. Praise the name of the Lord. So we have to be faithful in what is little. In relationships. I'll give you a very typical example. Today, uh, this year should make it probably six years pastoring on the island. But I remember when we were in youth service and I met my friend Tayo. And we started relating and all that. And when we were to come to Bonnie Island to plant the church, I actually stayed in his house and he helped me with the process of church planting. Now, we were serving together in 2006. And we planted this church just six years ago. But you realize that the seed of that relationship was what contributed to planting this church. Without that, I'm not sure probably would have the church here. But when I was relating with him, he wasn't working here. He was a copper like me before he got the job. I didn't even know he was working here until the Lord linked us back again. Why am I saying this? Because most of us go after relationships that we can calculate the immediate profits. You work into a church like this or you walk into an organization, you walk somewhere, you're quickly looking for who has car. You're quickly looking for who has class. You have arranged everybody in their class as the headmaster of the classes. You know who has money. You're always running around rich people. But what you don't realize is sometimes that brother, that sister, that looks like there's nothing to their life. By the time God is done with them, they'll be the people who will be most relevant in your future. Never make friendship by the, the judgment of the natural eyes. Are you following what I'm saying? 
Don't quickly look at if I just, and, and, and you're friendly to some people's children, you're not friendly to the other ones because you feel if you're always carrying the children all the time, then you will get something. No. That's unfaithfulness. That's being selfish with your love, with your relationship, with your generosity. It is God that commits things to the hands of men. Are you following what I'm saying? It is God that commits things to the hand of men. Always make God your source in life. Always. And why that is important is because it will make you to be able to serve with purity of heart. Not just in church. At your workplace. Whatever uh, concerns your manager, you are quick to do it. A believer must never serve out of eye service. A believer does his job, whether to get him promotion or not, you do it excellently. Praise God. Are you still here? Say amen if you're here. Right. So, the days of little beginnings are the days to test our faithfulness. I remember listening to Pastor Banke and he was saying that when they went to Enugu for the first time, himself and his wife had to fold by hand over 5,000 tracts until they, they literally were feeling pains in their hands. Those are days of little beginning. Nobody starts out from the top. We live in a generation that cannot start small. You ask someone, you want to start a business, how much can you use to start? And they call figures they've never seen in their life. Those, are, you see, learn to never be ashamed of starting small. Are you following what I'm saying? Never be ashamed. Never be ashamed of starting small. <laughs> Don't try to be who you're not. Never live to impress people. You see, when you try to impress people, you will be someone who gets ashamed easily. And because of that, you will not be able to start small. Learn to start your life gradually. Learn to start small. And in that season of starting small, stay faithful. Don't despise it. Don't look down on it. You know, some people are starting small, but their heart is not really there. They will always remind you, don't look at me like this. Tomorrow will be better. Don't look at me like this. Tomorrow will be better. Don't just say, you know, my friend, you have a wrong attitude. So we're not saying develop, use your starting small to become your introductory remark in everything you say. Don't worry one day. Don't worry one day until you're tired of hearing. That's not the attitude. The attitude is you're grateful in what God has placed in your hands and you go after it with your life. Praise God. You go after it with your life. I've never, even, even in church planting, I've never started church, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but I've never started church with, you know, let's do launching, let's do this, let's do that, gather the choir, bring special guests. I've never started churches like this. Our church started in November. It's running 20, 20 members now, like steady 20 members. And sometimes I have to encourage the guys because, you know, by the time I finish service here and I get to Podakot, you know, they are feeling for me like, oh, pastor, wow, all this stress, and we're just 10. You know, you know how you are preaching to people and people are just feeling sorry for you. They are looking like, who is, who is going to come? Who is going to come? Even people on their own, just passing the road, they are almost using their eye to suck them in to the church. And I have to tell them, no. I've never been in a hurry in planting a church. I've never been in a hurry. Why? I understand how to start small. I understand how to start small. And it does nothing to my self-esteem. Why? Because I know that if I'm faithful in little, then the Lord will make me faithful in much. Praise God. And listen carefully. Faithful in little does not become a principle. Don't, don't try to work it. Like, okay, don't worry. Let me just be faithful in more. Small time now. God will increase me. No, your heart is wrong. You are not using it as a stepping stone too much. You are really grateful for the opportunity to do what? To just do what you're doing. So you're not using it as a, as a skill like if I'm faithful in little, God will give me much. The anxiety of God will give you much will not allow you to be faithful. You will easily be discouraged. Are you following what I'm saying? 
Because one of the mistakes we make in church is that the things that should become lifestyle, we've turned them to techniques. So we're not saying one of the techniques of having much is to be faithful. You know, so you just go about it like, God, when is my day coming? God, see, I'm faithful. And that's when you know, hear people pray, I've been faithful for 10 years, oh God. When will you remember me? Oh, remember me. This is my 11th year of faithfulness. Why are you counting? Just stay faithful. Just show up. The Bible says we'll be rewarded in due season if we do not work. Oh, come on, I can't hear you. If we do not work, if we do not faint. Praise God. Let me look at two examples of, a man, of men who started small. Go to Psalm 78. Psalm 78 and verse 70. He also chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds. He took him from the sheepfolds. One of the things you find out about David was faithfulness in little things. And what did God do? The scripture says God took him from the sheepfold and made him a ruler over his people. So that means that David did not start from becoming a king. David started from leading sheep, his father's sheep. That's how David started. Now, when I was studying the scripture, I realized something. Go to verse 71 and then. So the Bible says that David, God took him from the sheepfold and made him the shepherd of his people. Now, I want, to go, I want you to go to 1 Samuel 17. There's something I, find out, I found out about this that I want to share with you. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Go to verse uh, verse 15. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 15. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. This is interesting. Now you realize that at this point, David was already playing for Saul. Right. David was already playing for Saul. Now the Bible says occasionally, David will get back and return from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Now, go to verse 28. That's the verse I'm actually looking for. Go to verse 28. You remember this, this was the time between Goliath and Israel and the whole battle. Now, Eliab, his oldest brother, David's oldest brothers, heard what he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? This was when David was asking what would be done for the man who killed Goliath. <laughs> and I like that. I like, in those days, man, it was beautiful. He says, they're going to give him a wife. The king's going to marry the king's good daughter. That's going to be bright price free. And then his father's house is going to be liberated from taxes. And David saw all those benefits. And man, he went after Goliath. Boom. You know, some of the battles you conquer are the things that are going to give you the victory you're looking for. Some of us are trying to run away from Goliath. We still want free wife and not to pay tax. It won't happen. If you want a wife, kill your Goliath. Are you following what I'm saying? Want to get married? Learn to make some income. Praise God. I said praise God. Even though we're saying in the days of little beginning, it's good to start small with your wife. I shared our example. It's not also... You don't also now live in abject poverty and then you want to bring someone to enjoy that season with you. Well, conquer that season and then go talk to someone. Praise God. Because there's no need also, you understand what I'm saying? If you want to get hungry all, all day, just stay hungry yourself. Don't bring someone to share your hunger. Because if you're faithful in the days of little beginning, God is going to commit much into your hands. 
And if the days of little beginning are stretching for too long, something is wrong with your attitude. I believe that if you stay faithful, God will reward you. I believe that. Praise God. So if things have been stagnant for a very long time, you need to drop down your pride and ask yourself questions. Am I doing the right thing? Am I learning the right lessons? Because even the wilderness has an end. There's Canaan. Praise God. Even though God led them through the wilderness, <laughs> some people got to Canaan. Amen. So you should always have that at the back of your mind. Now, look at what he said. And Eliab's anger was arose against David, and he said, this is where I'm going to. Why did you come down here, and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? So it means the sheep David was taking care of were not so much. The Bible says they were few. But you know what? David, David was faithful over those sheep. Is that word few I want you to pick? The sheep of his father that he was looking after were not much. Sometimes the things that God will put you over will not be much. Maybe it's your father's business that doesn't look so much. Why don't you pick it up? Maybe your father had a shop and uh, when you go inside, in, inside the shop, the things there are so few. You, 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 you say your name, it repeats it back to you, meaning that it's, it's more empty than it is filled. It looks like there's no life there, but stay faithful. It was a few sheep that David was looking after. It wasn't much. We always want to be put over much. But faithfulness in little. This is a characteristic we need to develop in our lives. Now listen, God, you've put me here. I'm going to be faithful in it. You've put me over this few group of people. I'm going to show up and give them the best. Don't use where you are now just as a stepping stone to the future. Stay faithful there. Are you following what I'm saying? I can't hear you. I said, are you following what I'm saying? Stay faithful. Stay faithful without school. Stay faithful without job. Stay faithful without assignment. Don't have a quitter's attitude. Don't have somebody, I'm waiting for my big break. I'm waiting for my big break. I'm waiting for my big break. Don't, 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 don't live like that. Be excited about the journey. Go out to your walk with excitement. Praise God. Don't ever postpone your joy. Don't think, I'm going to get happy tomorrow. I'm, you know, don't do that. <laughs> like someone just got married. He's like, man, I can't wait for my baby. Oh, I can't wait for my baby. And then look for all the names in the dictionary. What's, what are we going to call this baby? Shazi, Gazi, Maziz, Alas. He's looking for all the names, even the one they can't pronounce. They say, what's the baby's name? They say, look at it. Because they can't pronounce it. They're excited. And then the baby shows up. And then the baby, I mean, those wonderful babies, they sleep all through the day. 12.30, they wake up, and they start crying. And then the man say, take your child, your only child, and take the child to the parlor. And then the woman is getting angry. Am I the only one that gave birth to the child? Is it not a child? How many of you know the baby is now causing trouble? Why? They postpone their joy. They felt with the child, they're going to get happy. And then the child grows up, becomes a teenager, and issues happen. And then they can't wait for the child to get married. Child finished university. So I thought when you were coming to the house, one John used to follow you. It's not coming again. What happened? They can't wait for the child to leave. But this was a child that 30 years ago, they can't wait for the child to stay at home. And then, bam, the child gets married. Woo, happy. The next question. You guys have been married for three months. I can't see anything. Is she not pregnant yet? <laughs> what happened? Postponing our joy again. It's not just about children getting married. It's about us having grandchildren. You understand that? So, you know what I've decided to, to, to do? I'm going to go back home tonight and enjoy this night. I'm going to sleep with joy, wake up tomorrow, eat with joy, and the next day. You have grandchildren? Fine. You don't have grandchildren? That's their business. I'm just going to enjoy my life. I'm just going to be content with what God has provided. I'm going to be excited with the opportunities God has given to me. Do I want to pastor 70,000 people on a Sunday morning? Yes, of course. But you know what? 
on my way to the 70,000, I'll enjoy the 70 that God has placed in my hand. Because how many of you know you cannot have 70,000 without 70? That's how it is. You can't have your future without your present. Why don't you make the most of your present? Praise God. I remember many years ago when we were in school and people say, well, I mean, when we graduate, we're going to get a job. Bam, they graduated. No job was coming. They went back to school. First degree, second degree, third degree. Now they have more degrees than a thermometer and yet no job. How many degrees do you have? They now say, which one? Which one should we bring? <laughs> They've got all the degrees. No job. And in school, they never enjoyed school. You know why? They were trying to wait until they got a job. Now, I'm not saying go and blow your life up in pleasure and all kinds of things that are not necessary. But what I'm trying to say is, listen, you've got to stay faithful today. Stay faithful today. Praise God. Don't despise that one room you're staying. Don't despise the two rooms you're staying. Don't despise that job you have. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. So David started small and God increased them. Let's look at this now, quickly. Ten more minutes. Wow. Jesus started his ministry by asking questions. Luke chapter 2, verse 46. So you just put that up for me. How did Jesus start his ministry? Don't forget, Jesus is the Son of God. He didn't come from heaven and just, bam! Mighty miracle working ministry of Jesus. He didn't start that way. How did Jesus start ministry? Asking questions. Now, so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking questions. How did Jesus start ministry? By listening to people. You know, I've heard guys sit across my table in the office and they feel they are called to ministry, but they are so called to ministry, they can't listen to anybody. I remember a story I was reading, D.L. Moody. Some, some guys came from Europe to, to, to the Bible school, D.L. Moody's days. And then, regularly, their culture, because of the way transportation was then, when the visitor goes to sleep at night, the servants clean the shoes, prepare them for the next morning. It was a minister's conference uh, in, in D.L. Moody Bible School. So D.L. Moody shows up and calls some of the Bible school students and asks them to clean the shoes. And the Bible school students say, well, the Lord didn't send us to Bible school to clean shoes. He sent us to learn how to go preach. So they didn't clean the shoes. And D.L. Moody had to do that. But... One of the things you realize is that if the Lord can't send you to clean shoes, probably the Lord is not going to send you to clean people's lives. How many of us know seated here tonight, we all have a picture of really what we think we can do? Like most of us think if we are the president of this country, U.S. will envy Nigeria. The first thing I'm going to do, 24-hour power supply. All the militants, I'm going to send them abroad for training. You know, we all have the plan. The problem is you can't fix the country, but you can't fix your room. Your room is very scattered, but you can arrange the country. Yeah. You can't put clothes in order, but you know how to, to, to systematically place the country. How many, of us, how many of us also know that's what happens in church? Like, if I was the pastor, man, that's not message. By the time I'm true, <laughs> and that's why you're never a pastor. Because you even know more than God. Your days of little beginning is not the days to show that you are too small for where you are. Allow God to determine that. Are you following what I'm saying? It's not the day to like, you know, let them. I, you know, I used to think that way. I was like that. When I was pastoring with my dad, man, I felt like, man, this old man is too slow. This guy doesn't understand ministry. This is old school. Do it like this, people will show up. And now, as I spend more time in ministry. You know, sometimes I just wish I'm an assistant pastor. You know what that, that, you know what that does for you? You just show up and save the man. Every decision is left for him. Because now you have to make decisions. Don't think where you are right now is too small for you. Only God can determine that. If it's too small for you, he will exalt you. God is more committed to your exaltation than you are. So what you should pray is, Lord, teach me to be more faithful. Are you following what I'm saying? How did Jesus start his ministry? Matthew chapter 3. I like this one. I like this one. Quickly, let's do this quickly, quickly. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13. 
We're looking at Jesus. How did Jesus start ministry? He didn't just start preaching from the womb. You know, for some of us, if we're called to, if we're the son of God, we're called to liberate the earth. The first day we, we landed, as the midwife brought us out, said, behold, arrived the son of God in Nazareth. Repent, including you. Starting, in fact, you turn to your mother. I want to thank you for bringing me to this world, but I want to start with you. You are going to hell if you don't. You know, we just bam. Be a carpenter for what? Do they know who you are? God in flesh? Carpentry? Should be a medical doctor. Why will you do carpentry? And then Mary now says, your mother. You will now try to explain scriptures to her. I understand the Bible says you are my mother, but listen carefully. Listen to me. <laughs> How did Jesus that ministry? Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. He didn't organize a private baptism session. He didn't say, call John. I want, to, I want you to know that you have the privilege and singular honor of baptizing Jesus the Christ. So come with your baptismal tools to my house and baptize me. He didn't do that. He went to John at Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me. He didn't say, now you are a man of God. You know the truth. No, he didn't say that. Look at what he said. But Jesus answered and said, permit it to be so, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. Can you imagine Jesus, the Son of God, starting his ministry, and the way he had to start was to go and meet someone who he knew he was greater than, to be baptized by him. What a way to start ministry. He didn't start with ordination ceremony. Special invitation. Proclamation of ordination. Jesus shall be released from Jordan. No, he didn't do that. Just went. He followed the procedure. I'm sure probably if there was a queue, Jesus was standing behind. Waiting for his time. How did Jesus start his ministry? He started by calling two disciples. Matthew chapter 4 verse 18. Matthew chapter 4 verse 18. After this, and Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And then he said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Jesus did not start his ministry by preaching to multitudes. He started by calling how many people? Two people. From these two guys, he called other two guys. And then he had 11 disciples and 12. That's how he started. That's how he started. He was no more Jesus when he was preaching to the multitudes than when he had two disciples following him. So at a point in his life, all he had was just four disciples. And that's Jesus. He could have just stood on, on Mount Sinai, whatever mount was there, and said two million people now. We are starting Jesus Church of, of Nazareth right now. No. Even Jesus had to have the days of little beginning. How many of you know the scripture says he went to the synagogue, he took a book and he read. He didn't go there and say, listen, read, read and I will interpret to you guys. He didn't do that. He read. He followed that procedure. If he had not been reading in the synagogue, they would not have allowed him to read that day. It's not the day of your manifestation that you will be humble. Are you following what I'm saying? If Jesus was not reading, nobody's going to allow him to read. The synagogue is not here where you just come and we allow you to do stuff. If you have not been, if at the high priest, they might offer you a sacrifice. <laughs> so for Jesus to go read, the Bible says, as his custom was. That means he had the custom of going to read at the, the synagogue. Now, even though he was baptized and now he's the son of God and now he has to launch ministry, he didn't just stroll into the synagogue and say, guys, today is the end of my reading. High priest, read. <laughs> no, he didn't do that. He read and said, today the scripture is fulfilled in your... Yes. You must have an attitude of humility in the days of little beginning. Don't jump process. Don't exalt yourself. I beg you. We live in the social media age. Don't exalt yourself. I beg you. Don't exalt yourself. Allow God to exalt you. He can. God knows what you're doing. God knows your heart. Praise God. I said, praise God. Don't, don't try to 
In worry language, they'll say, don't show yourself. Just calm down. God is intelligent. He knows stuff. Don't try to blow your own trumpet. God can blow it louder. Because most of us are in a hurry out of our days of little beginning. That's why there's competition among churches, competition among Christians, competition among everybody. Praise God. Hallelujah. Your confession, what you say in your days of little beginning is very important. Learn to have the right confession. Learn to have the right confession. I'll say these few points. Be thankful. Be truly grateful in your days of little beginning. Thank God for the opportunity. Father, thank you for the opportunity to walk here. I was talking to a friend of mine. They, were in, they are not paying, they're not paying him a very good salary where he's working. So he was going to work and the guy was complaining. And I just told him, I said, listen, what would you rather be like? You're not earning this at all or you're jobless. Which one would you choose? He said, well, it's better than nothing. I said, is this job able to help you just pay your rent, take care of your family a bit? He said, yes. By the time I finished speaking with him for 10 minutes, he was grateful he had a job. Praise God. Is he paying you as much as he should? No. But be truly grateful. Father, thank you that I can pay my bills. Thank you that I can eat. Thank you. One of the things they taught us early growing up was to pray over our food. I don't know if we still pray over our food. You know, we almost take food for granted. Praise God. <laughs> I remember my daughter was taught that when food falls on the ground, there is jam. By the way, we'll talk after now. <laughs> so we bought a loaf of bread, and she was trying to pick out bread, and the whole bread fell on the floor. I wasn't, I wasn't there. My wife told me, and she, she wanted to go dump it, so she told her to bring the bread back. Yesterday night, she had yams, and then the whole plate fell. She looked at the dustbin, her predetermined destination. She looked at me, the provider of the yam. She looked at where she was. This is not school, but my house. So I just told her, pick everything and start eating. She ate it. Was there gems? Most likely. And as she was eating, I said, thank God. <laughs> Why are you thanking God? That you have food that is falling. Say no free. That there was food that ought to fall. You need to be grateful. Some people, even if they make the plate like this, nothing is going to come out. So for you, that you have something falling out of it, it's enough reason. And that you can choose to either eat from the plates or from the fallen ones. It's double favor. Be grateful. Listen, don't take those little things for granted. Don't take those... Are, are you following what I'm saying? Don't take the fact that your children have choice of food for granted. That they can tell, I'm not eating here, I'm eating here. Some people don't have choice. It's monotone. Like, in fact, if immediately you start complaining about the food, your ration has moved. Like, you say, I can't. say, you don't want. <laughs> no, 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 no. I want, I want. Because immediately you say, you don't want. That means till tomorrow. Are you following what I'm saying? We can easily prosper to the place where we take things for granted. But maintain a grateful heart. Number two, develop competence. Don't compromise. Your days of little beginning, the thing is small, but don't compromise. Are you following what I'm saying? That shop is small. Open an account for it. That business is small. Have an account for it. Praise the name of the Lord. Register it. Dress properly there. Don't say because your shop is small, you show up with, with uh, what's that, hairnet and a nightgown. No. That who is seeing me? We are. God is. Praise God. All right. Build and sustain vital relationships. Your days of little beginning, build and sustain vital relationships. The future is hidden in your daily routine. This is a quote by Mike Murdock. The future is hidden in your daily routine. In your days of little beginning, develop powerful daily routines. 
Your days of preparation, your days of little beginning are days of preparation and practice. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Practice, practice, practice. Your days of little beginning are days of preparation and practice. Jesus was listening and asking questions. How many of you know that a bulk of Jesus' ministry was made up of answering questions and getting questions from people? Practice in your days of little beginning. God give the increase. You can only be faithful. But God rejoices when you start small. So be thankful. Develop competence. Don't compromise. Learn as much as you can in the days of little beginning. Build and sustain vital relationships. The future is hidden in your daily routine. According to Mike Mudok, your days of little beginning are days of preparation. Everybody say preparation. Say it loud and clear. Say preparation and practice. Say practice. That's, those are the days you can practice. You can, you can practice more. Then just write this down. Last quote. Write this down. Write the word start. Stick to it and succeed. Start, stick to it, and succeed. What should you do? Let's say it one more time. What should you do? Start, then you do what? Stick to it, and you will do what? And you succeed. Come on, what should we do? We start, and we do what? We stick to it, and then we'll do what? We'll succeed. We don't start and succeed without sticking to it. Your days of little beginning are your days of sticking to it. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We yield ourselves to you this evening. And we pray, Father God, that where we have despised the days of little beginning, I pray that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you just forgive us. And we ask that you just, you know, push in our heart that, that thing about gratitude and understanding who you are. And that increase comes from you. We thank you, mighty God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 805 888 7575 God bless you.